0: Well, that's right boys and girls welcome to a special installment of the sharp 600 brought to you by covers.com i'm your host joe Fortenball, and this is your primer for ufc 219 which takes place saturday night december 30th at t-mobile arena in las vegas now here's what we're going to do today one of my favorite mma handicappers in the business he's going to join us in just a moment but first with football season approaching its conclusion I'm currently toying with a variety of ways to keep this podcast, the Sharp 600, active and on top of the best content possible for as long as possible. So I've been thinking about introducing more one-off type episodes like this one, UFC, boxing, the Masters, major events in golf, tennis, uh, the Kentucky Derby, for example. That's just to name a few ideas, but I'd love to hear from you guys. That's essentially what I'm doing right now. I'm calling out all suggestions we play the hits. We will take your request. We've done so in the past. A couple of the issues we've already done, episodes I should say, were requests we took from you. So hit me up on email joe.fortenball at gmail.com or on Twitter at Fortenball. If there's anything you want us to cover, anything you want us to knock out of the park for you, happy to do it. And now let's get down to business. All right, today's guest is a guy I met at something called the Tuesday Meeting in Las Vegas. Now, somewhere down the road, I will explain the Tuesday Meeting, but that's for a different podcast. His name is Lou Finicaro, and you can follow him on Twitter at GAMBLOU, that's G-A-M-B-L-O-U, and he's the owner of the website GAMBLOU.com. He's joining us here on the Sharp 600, and he's one of the best MMA guys in the business. Lou, first question out of the gate, man. Happy holidays. It's been a while. How are you?
1: It, it has been a while, Joe. Great speaking with you. I, I feel like I'm in touch, however, because I do tune into your pod and uh, love the guests that, that you have. Holidays were great. Visited mom in Palm Springs. Now we're back in Phoenix to, you know, pin our ears back and work the last month or so of football uh, as well. Uh, We're here to talk about the UFC, which is the only sport I work year-round.
0: Yes, sir, and you are one of the best in the business at it, and I'm not just saying that because we're friends. I've been tailing your picks for a long time. I've been fortunate enough where you send me the write-ups, and you and I had talked a little while ago. We've got to get you on the pod because I've got to start branching out and getting ready for the post-football world of podcasting. So we're going to cover UFC 219 today, Saturday night, T-Mobile Center, in Las Vegas. Now, before we get to some of the card, I want to jump in with this because we probably have some some individuals who might be new to MMA betting. Um, when it comes to general handicapping strategies, is there anything that you have in the arsenal that you could share with us when we start talking about how to handicap specific matchups?
1: Yeah, that, that's really a great question, Joe. And in 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 one easy fell swoop, I can tell you that. People that have a passion for USC should go out and buy a book written by a guy named Reed Kuhn, KUHN, and it's called Fightnomics. And in, in that book, what he basically attempts to do is quantify and, and numericize, if you will, the fight game. And we see analytics uh, seeping into, and it's fully established in our football life, and I'm an acceptor of analytics. Uh, That said, when I went to get this book, it's only a couple hundred pages, I read the book because I knew this guy didn't know what he was talking about that wrote it. I'm an old boxing guy, and I was going to read it so I could criticize him for trying to put the sweet science of fighting into numeric value. By the time I got done reading the book, I became its greatest advocate uh, it completely convinced me there's nothing revolutionary in there but it highlights what advantage provi- what what aspects provide a fighter advantage height age difference especially of 4 years or more weight reach leg reach and so all of these things i tabulate when i do a fight card so i have a database of a 550 usc fighters And I match them next to each other so that I can monitor who is the taller, who is the younger, who is left or right-handed, and where is their reach advantages. So all those things sound like a lot of little nitpicky things, but they all uh add up to advantage in the fight game
0: let's talk about stats and analytics for a moment are there specific analytics in mma fighting that you target that you feel may carry more weight than others in football you and i have talked about this before yards per play yards per point turnover differential there are certain football metrics just like in baseball or anything else that stand out and mean more than other metrics how does it apply for mma
1: yeah, it's mostly to do with the you know height, size, and and physical aspect of the fighter. That, then you get into you know intangibles like experience, etc. But you know one stat that I'll throw out there is that if you if you're looking at older fighters versus younger fighters, they've tracked if there's a five-year difference in age. 62 percent of the time the younger fighter will win and so if you got a 37 year old guy against a 32 year old guy you know that that stat is one that i'll pay attention to i may not pay attention to it as much if it's a 27 maybe a a 29 year old man and a 24 year old man uh but i think when you get into the 30s and then you have to peel the onion back a little further the, the heavier bigger boys uh tend to be older and so you you get a heavyweight at 30 fighting a heavyweight at 37 that's really when i'll use that statistic
0: having read your write-ups on specific fights for a couple of years now one thing i notice that you're big on is monitoring weigh-ins and specifically fighters who have a very grueling time making the weight limit for their specific fight can you elaborate on this a little bit and talk about why that's such a big factor
1: yeah, um, and recently the you know I, I've been watching weigh-ins since the, the boxing age, and it was really just to look at the guys and, and catch the Muhammad Ali show, which is now dating myself. But there are two sets of weigh-ins now. For instance, for this card this week, Friday morning at nine a.m., uh, various uh, outlets, MMA Fighting, MMA Junkie will live stream the weigh-in that that happens at nine a.m. Central. At wherever the fight card happens to be, if it's Nome, it's 9 a.m. Nome time. In this week's uh, instance, it happens to be 9 a.m. Vegas time, Pacific. So uh, we will I'll watch those because I am looking for tells. Who did have a terrible weight cut? There's a two-hour window to get on the scale. Who gets on the scale one minute after they're allowed? That those those tend to be people that are ready, totally professional, and want to begin the rehydration process immediately. Consequently, the person that waits until one minute before the weigh-in deadline is giving me an indication that they're having a hard time with the weight cut simply because they haven't been able to begin their rehydration process and they're giving their opponent up to two hours of advantage. The second set of weigh-ins is usually on TV, and it, it happens now only uh, for the UFC uh, major cards, the pay per view. So two nineteen Friday at at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, there'll be another way, and it's not the official way, and it's basically both sets of fighters being able to look each other in the eye. And at that particular segment and that uh, 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 showing, what I'm looking for is how well each fighter has rehydrated, because Let's just talk about a 155-pound fighter. That's a lightweight. They'll step on the scale at 155, and then you know, 12, 15 hours later, they'll weigh 20, 25 pounds different. Wow. And uh, that sounds like a lot of weight, but it's it's really pretty pretty standard in this UFC fight game.
0: All right, so let's jump into the card. UFC 219, Saturday night in Las Vegas. We'll begin with the preliminary that will be on FS1. So this isn't even pay-per-view. You can watch this one for free. FS1, it features the 11-4 and Lewis Smolka. He's taking on the 12-2-1 Matthews Nicolau. I see Nicolau here is a huge favorite, somewhere in the neighborhood of minus 305. What's your thought process for this one?
1: Yeah, a uh, great great choice there Uh, in this particular case. uh, You got a guy in Nicolau who opened minus 155. Now I'm looking and he's plus 265. So there's been tremendous amount of push and play on this Nicolau. But I think when you look at it closer, uh, it's more they're betting against Smolka than they are Nicolau, because when I look for reasons to find uh, ways to like Nicolau. I have concerns because this fight's going to be uh, at 125. Uh, Nicolau has usually been a 135er. Not to mention the fact that he's a year uh, since he's last fought, and he got caught doing illegalities. Nicolau's a a Brazilian, so he's coming back off a layoff. Meanwhile, the kid he's fighting Lou Smoka. Uh, he's had a couple of uh, two straight losses, and, and really, in one of them, looked a little bit underwhelming. That said, if you dig deep into the kid's personal life, he's battled with some alcohol issues that he has claimed he's put behind him. And I can say that he's got five inches in height over Nicolau. They're roughly the same age. He's going to have a two-inch reach advantage over Nicolao and so. These are physical aspects that provide advantage, and I will say, watching Smolka fight, that if, in fact, the alcohol issues are behind him, and I tend to take him at his word, if he's prepared to give his best, I believe he's one live dog. He opened 115. You can catch him now, plus 225, and he's an absolute target for us pending the weigh-ins that will occur tomorrow
0: welterweight bout on the main card it's carlos condit at 30 and 10 lifetime against neil magni who's 19 and 7 condit is in the neighborhood of about a 165 favorite how do you see this one
1: yeah this is a fight where condit who has really got great name recognition uh I, i really question his dedication and focus to this business uh in my research i believe that he's fighting because this is the best money he can make to help his little coffee store business that he has in Albuquerque. He's lost five of his last seven. He's also been off a year. And the people love to watch Carlos Condit fight. Uh, He's he's a striker, kickboxing-based guy, but he doesn't have very good take-down advantage and he's going to absolutely want to keep it standing and use his power meanwhile magni is almost like a daddy long legs he's like unusually long at six three he's going to have a five inch reach advantage and a reach advantage with his legs most mma fights get to the floor and mostly i lean to wrestlers provided they have a well-rounded arsenal and magni has all of that and so for those reasons I think Magny is the true professional fighter while Condit's fighting for money here. I, I, think, I think Magny plus 140 or 145 is definitely the target here as well.
0: Lightweight fight. It's Dan Hooker at 15-7 and seven against Mark Diacasey at 12-1. and Diacasey currently priced as about a minus 185 favorite right in that neighborhood. Where are you leaning in this one?
1: Yeah, this one is, is really interesting because Hooker carries the, uh, the advantage of being the taller man by two inches and having reach advantage legs and with arms. However, Hooker is a little more plodding. He definitely wants to win it one way, and that's by standing up and fighting. Dia Casey is going to be the much more athletic, flashy fighter. He's coming in with a wrestling advantage. He also uh, is a little bit raw. I don't think he's going to engage Hooker in the toe-to-toe that Hooker wants to fight, and I think the Accheese is probably a little too athletic, too fast for the slow-plotting Hooker here. The Accheese opened minus 230. He's now, as you say, minus 185 or so. This is one we're going to watch and hope the public continues to move on Hooker, because I do like the Accheese, but as you know, Joe, I, I tend to try and stay to dogs unless I can find real value. Otherwise,
0: that I do know indeed. Um, another night, another lightweight bout. The second-ranked Khabib, and I doubt I'm going to get this right. Nurmagomed, Nurmagad- help me out here, Lou.
1: Nurmagomedov.
0: <laughs> I'm going to call him Khabib. Second-ranked, he's going to take on Edson Barbosa, Barbosa at 19 and four. He's the fourth-ranked fighter in the lightweight class. Uh, you've got Khabib, a perfect 24 and 0 lifetime, and currently sitting around a minus two eighty-five favorite. Any lean in this one?
1: Yeah, fascinating fight. And, and again, we've, we said it earlier, you know, the, the, the wrestlers are, are really kind of the prejudice that I have. And then if you can get a wrestler that's uh, athletic and can strike, then you really have something. Ermagomedov needs improvement in his striking. There's no question about it. But he is an absolute world-class grappler, sambo, uh, Russian-based wrestling expert. And this fight's fascinating because Barboza, really, with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, is capable on the floor. But the kryptonite to Brazilian jiu-jitsu is world-class wrestling. Nurmagomedov has that. Barboza wants this fight standing, must strike, and try, is going to try and get a knee or an elbow to, to Nurmagomedov as Nurmagomedov tries to close distance and get inside. Uh, Barboza will want to keep this thing fighting at distance, while well, Nurmagomedov wants to fight it in a phone booth. I do believe that these fights do hit the floor, and when it hits the floor, it's going to be the end of Barboza. I think Nurmagomedov is the rightful favorite here, and he's probably appropriately priced. If you wanted to look at anything in this fight, the over-under a two-and-a-half, uh, it, 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 again, if it gets to the floor, I think Nurmagomedov will finish Barboza, and maybe under two-and-a-half at even money would be a consideration in that fight.
0: And, of course, the main event of the evening, women's featherweight title fight between the 18-1 and champion Chris Cyborg and the second-ranked Holly Holm, who checks in at 11-3. and Cyborg is a massive minus-360 favorite. Lou, by any chance, he's selling the upset here
1: uh I'll I'll tell you how Holm can do can make the upset is is if she gets a fight from Cyborg like Ronda Rousey gave her and by that I mean Holm is a kickboxing uh, specialty. She comes from the world of boxing, and normally she's much longer, bigger, taller than most of her opponents. In this particular fight, being at 145, it's unusual that she's not going to be the bigger woman here. In fact, Cyborg, at the night of the fight, will just be a, a, a Hulk uh... home must use distance and keep this fight standing while cyborg much like a is going to want to try and close distance and strike to get in get her hands on home and and take her down uh... various props and over unders on this fight uh... I, I really think that cyborg is the is the logical uh... winner of this fight but I do believe home is getting overlooked a little bit here, and so kind of uh, in conjunction with a, a bet on home, if you don't want to take the dog money with home, I think you could take the over one and a half here. Now, uh, the over one and a half rounds means that the the fight has to start the seven minute and fifty first second. Excuse me, seven minutes and thirty one seconds. So it has to go past that second round that opened minus 1 150 and now it's minus 260 so uh, I think that the over with Holm is is in essence uh, a vote for Holm and I do see this fight going into the second or third round but I do feel Cyborg finishes Holm Holm happens to be 1 and 3 in her last four and she just gets outworked by the smaller quicker fighters and she got outworked by a fighter her size last out cyborg's the rightful uh favorite in this fight
0: check out the website com. that's g-a-m-b-l-o-u.com as well as follow him on twitter at gamloo good friend of mine one of the best mma minds in the business lou Finicaro, joining us here on the sharp 600 lou I appreciate the time, man. And not only was it great catching up, but I appreciate the insights and your willingness to come on the pod. Can't wait to do it again soon. Have a happy new year.
1: Anytime, Joe. Happy new year to you. And thank you so much.
0: going to be up 500 by Ah, (laughs) midnight. That'll do it for this installment of the Sharp 600. Again, a big thank you to my man, Lou Finicaro for coming on and giving us the blueprint for UFC 219. And remember, Any requests, anything you want us to tackle over the next few months, we'd love to hear from you. Joe.FortenBall at gmail.com, on Twitter at JoeFortenBall. Boys and girls, be well, best of luck.